0: distant chariots. The air was filled with leaves, which, at that late season, were readily driven from their stems, and flew from island to island like flights of birds. With this exception, the spot seemed silent as the grave. That the savages still remained, was to be inferred from the fact that their canoes, together with the boats of the fifty-fifth, lay in a group in the little cove that had been selected as a harbour otherwise not a sign of their presence was to be detected though taken entirely by surprise by the cutter the sudden return of which was altogether unlooked for so uniform and inbred were their habits of caution while on the war-path that the instant an alarm was given every man had taken to his cover with the instinct and cunning of a fox seeking its hole the same stillness reigned in the blockhouse for though pathfinder and cap could command a view of the channel They took the precaution necessary to lie concealed. The unusual absence of anything like animal life on board the scud, too, was still more remarkable. As the Indians witnessed her apparently undirected movements, a feeling of awe gained a footing among them, and some of the boldest of their party began to distrust the issue of an expedition that had commenced so prosperously. Even Arrowhead, accustomed as he was to intercourse with the whites on both sides of the lakes, fancied there was something ominous in the appearance of this unmanned vessel, and he would gladly at that moment have been landed again on the main. In the meantime, the progress of the cutter was steady and rapid. She held her way mid-channel, now inclining to the gusts, and now rising again, like the philosopher that bends to the calamities of life to resume his erect attitude as they pass away but always piling the water beneath her bows in foam although she was under so very short canvas her velocity was great and there could not have elapsed 10 minutes between the time when her sails were first seen glancing past the trees and bushes in the distance and the moment when she was abreast of the blockhouse cap and pathfinder leaned forward as the cutter came beneath their eyrie, eager to get a better view of her deck when, to the delight of both, Jasper Eau sprang upon his feet and gave three hearty cheers. Regardless of all risk, Cap leaped upon the rampart of logs and returned the greeting, cheer for cheer. Happily the policy of the enemy saved the latter, for they still lay quiet, not a rifle being discharged. On the other hand, Pathfinder kept in view the useful, utterly disregarding the mere dramatic part of warfare. The moment he beheld his friend Jasper he called out to him with stentorian lungs, "'Stand by us, lad, and the day's our own. Give em a grist in yonder bushes, and you'll put em up like partridges!' Part of this reached Jasper's ears, but most was borne off to leeward on the wings of the wind. By the time this was said, the scud had driven past, and in the next moment she was hid from view by the grove in which the blockhouse was partially concealed two anxious minutes succeeded but at the expiration of that brief space the sails were again gleaming through the trees jasper having wore jibed and hauled up under the lee of the island on the other tack the wind was free enough as has already been explained to admit of this manoeuvre and the cutter catching the current under her lee bow was breasted up to her course in a way that showed she would come out to windward of the island again without any difficulty this whole evolution was made with the greatest facility, not a sheet being touched, the sails trimming themselves, the rudder alone controlling the admirable machine. The object appeared to be a reconnaissance. When, however, the Scud had made the circuit of the entire island, and had again got her weatherly position in the channel by which she had first approached, her helm was put down, and she tacked. The noise of the mainsail flapping when it filled, loose-reefed as it was, "'Sounded like the report of a gun, and Cap trembled lest the seams should open. "'His Majesty gives good canvas. It must be owned,' muttered the old seaman. "'And it must be owned, too. That boy handles his boat as if he were thoroughly bred. "'Damn me, Master Pathfinder, if I believe, after all that has been reported in the matter, "'that this Mr. O'Deuce got his trade on this bit of fresh water!' "'He did. Yes, he did.' He never saw the ocean, and has come by his calling altogether up here on Ontario. I have often thought he has a natural gift in the way of schooners and sloops, and have respected him accordingly. As for treason and lying, and black-hearted vices, friend Cap, Jasper Western is as free as the most virtuous of the Delaware warriors, and if you crave to see a truly honest man, you must go among that tribe to discover him. "'There he comes round!' exclaimed the delighted cap, the scud at this moment filling on her original tack. "'And now we shall see what the boy would be at! He cannot mean to keep running up and down these passages like a girl footing it through a country dance!' The scud now kept so much way, that for a moment the two observers on the blockhouse feared Jasper meant to come too, and the savages, in their lairs, gleamed out upon her with a sort of exultation that the crouching tiger may be supposed to feel as he sees his unconscious victim approach his bed. But Jasper had no such intention. Familiar with the shore, and acquainted with the depth of water on every part of the island, he well knew that the scud might be run against the bank with impunity, and he ventured fearlessly so near that, as he passed through the little cove, he swept the two boats of the soldiers from their fastenings and forced them out into the channel, towing them with a cutter. As all the canoes were fastened to the two Dunham boats, by this bold and successful attempt the savages were at once deprived of the means of quitting the island, unless by swimming, and they appeared to be instantly aware of the very important fact. Rising in a body they filled the air with yells and poured in a harmless fire. While up in this unguarded manner two rifles were discharged by their adversaries. One came from the summit of the block, and an Iroquois fell dead in his tracks, shot through the brain. The other came from the Scud. The last was the piece of the Delaware, but, less true than that of his friend, it only maimed an enemy for life. The people of the Scud shouted, and the savages sank again to a man as if it might be into the earth. "'That was the sarpent's voice,' said Pathfinder, as soon as the second piece was discharged. I know the crack of his rifle as well as I do that of Kildir. Tis a good barrel, though not sartin' death. Well, well, with Chingachgook and Jasper on the water, and you and I in the block, Fencap, it will be hard if we don't teach these mingo scamps the rationality of a fight." All this time the Scud was in motion. As soon as he had reached the end of the island, Jasper sent his prizes adrift, and they went down before the wind until they stranded on a point half a mile to leeward. He then wore, and came stemming the current again, through the other passage. Those on the summit of the block could now perceive that something was in agitation on the deck of the scud, and, to their great delight, just as the cutter came abreast of the principal cove, on the spot where most of the enemy lay, the howitzer which composed her sole armament was unmasked and a shower of case-shot was sent hissing into the bushes. A bevy of quail would not have risen quicker than this unexpected discharge of iron hail put up the Iroquois, when a second savage fell by a messenger sent from Kildare, and another went limping away by a visit from the rifle of Chingachgook. New covers were immediately found, however, and each party seemed to prepare for the renewal of the strife in another form. But the appearance of June, bearing a white flag, and accompanied by the French officer and Muir, stayed the hands of all, and was the forerunner of another parley. The negotiation that followed was held beneath the blockhouse, and so near it as to at once to put those who were uncovered completely at the mercy of Pathfinder's unerring aim. Jasper anchored directly a beam, and the howitzer too was kept trained upon the negotiators, so that the besieged and their friends, with the exception of the man who held the match, had no hesitation about exposing their persons. Chingachgook alone lay in ambush, more, however, from habit than distrust. "'You've triumphed, Pathfinder!' called out the quartermaster.